Hi, welcome to the Real Estate Roundtable, where we discuss all topics real estate. I'm Nick Aarons. Hey, and I'm Steve Crowley. I'm Darren Shepard. And I'm Jimmy Reed, and we're your hosts. Okay, so my name is Darren Shepard here on the Reed team. I'm uh, talking to Byron Watson, which is one of our lender partners with the Ryan Grant team. Byron has worked with us a ton and uh, a lot with our buyers, first-time home buyers all the way up to families who are downsizing into other properties. And so uh, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today, it's actually going to be a three-part series. And we're going to be talking about today is how do you win in this market, in this competitive market, um, but specifically on the lending side. So let's just say hypothetically, you're a buyer who is considering downsizing. You're a buyer who is a first-time home buyer, and you connect with our preferred lender and our lender partner, um, Byron and his team. What does that process look like? So what I'm going to be doing is just kind of asking Byron a few different questions of what that process looks like. And then we'll have a part two. So make sure you stay tuned to this. Then a part three, after you get pre-approved and we're out there searching from an agent perspective, what do we do to help separate you from all the other buyers that are in today's market? So Byron, welcome. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, Byron Watson. I'm a senior mortgage advisor with Neo Home Loans on the Insight team, formerly known as the Ryan Grant team. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. So kind of walk us through if I were a a buyer and I was a specifically let's just say first time home buyer and I connected with you I know from a you know from a buyer perspective you have you know pre-quals you have pre-approvals you you correct me if I'm wrong and you have fully underwritten approvals I'm not sure if there's another step after that but kind of walk me through the three differences and if there is a fourth that I missed yeah, you know, as a licensed loan officer, I'm able to provide you, you know, a pre-approval letter based on just a conversation, right? So, so I could, you know, essentially provide someone a pre-approval letter after having spoken with them one time. Um, but, and, and unfortunately, that's how a lot of this industry works, right? A lot of mortgage uh, loan officers do provide pre-approvals that way just because it's the easy thing to do, right? But unfortunately, and you know, in this market, having a pre-approval letter with, you know, based on pretty much nothing, uh, does not do the client any good, right? So the next step there would be to do the more traditional pre-approval, which would be, you know, fill out the mortgage application, uh, send in your supporting documents like pay stubs and W-2s, that sort of thing. Um, and then we review that very quickly, quickly, typically within 24 hours, uh, and then we can provide a pre-approval letter that way. Um, that's how pre-approval letters are done, I'd say 95% of the time. Um, the, the issue there though, is that you know, when you're getting that pre-approval letter, the only opinion, um, the only person providing their opinion on your your approvability is the loan officer. And at the end of the day, the loan officer's opinion does not actually matter. It's really the underwriter, right? So, you know, if I've issued a pre-approval letter and I'm saying it's good, but then when you're in contract and the, the under, underwriter's reviewing the file and they say, no, it's not good, um, the answer is no, right? That loan's not gonna go anywhere. So for that reason, we actually take another step uh, with our pre-approvals and it's sort of, uh, sort of a unique proposition for us where we're gonna have our underwriter look at the file um, during that pre-approval process so we can provide a fully underwritten pre-approval. And what that does is, you know, it does a number of things for our clients, but um, you know, when in a super competitive market like we're in right now, it allows us to say, okay, we can shorten the escrow time frame from typically your 30 or 45 day escrow down to 15 days. 
Uh, and then we can also remove the loan contingency, right? And just for the people who don't know, a loan contingency, it's like a clause in your purchase contract that protects your deposit in case your loan were to fall apart, you know, during the escrow process. Uh, but mm -hmm. if we've already got the underwriting done, then we don't need that contingency to protect our deposit, which makes the buyer look like a much more uh, more solid person or candidate uh, on that offer. Oh, that's awesome. So I want to take a step back, if, if we can. So if I'm a buyer, I connect with you. Do I just kind of, do we just jump right into the pre-approval process? Do you like set up a call with me um, to answer my questions? Like how do you guys, um, you know, handle that process? Yeah, so you know, typically the first the first interaction between uh, my team and the the buyer is going to be an initial you know thirty minute phone call with my production partner Alicia. Um, in that call, she's going to learn more about your your your. It's called the dreams and goals call, right? We want to learn more okay. about what your future real estate goals are, what your retirement goals are, what your financial goals are. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then more specifically, we're going to kind of get some more details about your your credit score, your income, your debts, you know, your assets, all, all that sort of thing. Um, Alicia will help you determine whether or not, you know, there's, you know, you're within the, uh, you know, with, if you have a chance of actually purchasing a home. If so, then it makes sense. Then we'll probably have her do the mortgage application right there on the spot. Uh, but then also schedule that consultation with me because uh, we'll do, you know, after that, we'll do a one to two hour Zoom meeting with me and the client where we kind of go over um, all of their mortgage options. And really that that's an opportunity for me to provide uh, the education piece to the client, right? Where we kind of talk to them about about the housing market, where it's going, where it's been um, and how they fit into this market and kind of, you know, where they can operate. Awesome. So I'm curious, I'm sure everyone's wondering what kind of dog do you have? How long we had the dog? We were all dog it? lovers. So yes, <laughs> yes. So tell me what kind of what kind of dog? I have a seven month old mini golden doodle who I think is freaking out because my daughter's got the front door open and she's out there playing with the neighbors. So he wants to go out there and play with them. Well, that's awesome. Sweet. <laughs> um, so uh, so you go through that process and um, and that pre approval. And then so does, does the buyer have uh, the choice to say, hey, I want to get fully underwritten? Or do you guys make that decision to take them through that process? And how does that work to pre approve it a fully underwritten? Uh, that transition i mean you know if we're if we're working with a client it doesn't make any sense i think to have a client go shopping in this market without a fully underwritten approval right so Got it. Uh, i can't think of in a situation where we would you know work with a client and not advise that they go through with the fully underwritten approval um, okay. if after our consultation we determine that they're not quite ready to buy a home then yeah we definitely don't want to put them through underwriting unnecessarily but um, if we think, you know, if they're going to be shopping for homes within the next, you know, 60, 90 days, then absolutely. We mm -hmm. want to take the underwriting process. It does add, you know, five business days typically to the pre-approval process, but I mean, with the amount of benefit it provides, it's definitely worth that wait. Um, you know, look, if someone's, you know, if I've done the initial pre-approval and we're in the middle of underwriting, but they find a home, you know, and they want to make an offer, we can, we can support that. Yeah. And, you know, we've already started okay. the underwriting process, so we can still shorten some of the, you know, the loan contingency and the escrow time, uh, you know, escrow time period. Got it. And so when someone's going through that process and let's just say they have, you know, uh, you know, usually people don't want to discuss their financials and go through that process. Maybe they have. You know, had a hiccup when they were younger and credit and or not making as much money as they wish they were making but they want to buy a home or vice versa um kind of walk me through the process of if someone was not really ready to buy and 
do you help them kind of set up a plan with that? Do you, if they're not quite ready, do you just say, hey, call me back in six months? Like, how does that work, you know, on that steps as well? So, you know, first thing I want to say is that, you know, anytime we're doing, we're meeting with clients, it's like a no judgment zone, right? We're, we're not here to, um, to look at anyone negatively for the financial decisions they've made thus far. And, and the fact is that, you know, it's no secret that financial education is not something that's provided uh, to Americans in high school or even college in many cases. So it's no wonder that people come to us, especially as first time home buyers with some challenge credit or, you know, some kind of weird things, because, you know, most people don't live their lives according to Fannie Mae guidelines, right? That would be kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. when we're meeting with clients, we, we make it clear that we're not here to try to push you into buying a home. What we're trying to do is to help you put a roadmap together to purchase a home whenever the time is right. Um, so if someone is in a situation where, you know, their, their financial uh, profile is not quite in a position where we need them to be to be able to purchase a home, we're going to show them mm -hmm. what it's going to take to to get there and help them develop a plan okay. to do that. Uh, I'd Got say it. probably for us, first time home buyers, you know, we probably from time of first conversation to actual close, it can be as long as yeah. one or two years, right? Because it can okay. sometimes take some time for them to get them uh, in that right, that right spot. Got it. Got it. You and, and if you can just give me a 30 second snippet, but you keep bringing up Fannie Mae, like who is this a person? Someone works on your team? Like who's who's Fannie Mae? She's this amazing person that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Has all these strict boundaries. Yeah, Fannie Mae. I mean, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, you know, they're two, they're, they're two companies that are associated with the government, essentially, and they're responsible for providing the country with conventional conforming loans. They they write probably I don't know the percentage, maybe 80 to 90% of the loans made in America. Um, and so they're the ones who come up with the guidelines on what is a conforming conventional loan. So we just try to help our clients, you know, because that's that's the, the client, the, the loan that most clients will use. So we're going to try to see, can we fit them in the, you know, within those guidelines? If not, there are other programs, of course, FHA loans, uh, VA loans for veterans, USDA loans for, you know, rural properties. So there's, there's other, there's other programs out there, but um by far Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are, are the big ones conventional. got it and then so you're uh <clears throat> let's say the buyer now is they've had a conversation with you um they've gone through the pre-approval process now they're going through the underwriting process um and so do you guys follow back up with them is it another phone call or is it just an email saying hey you're fully underwritten um what's those next steps look like after that so you know, it's when someone's fully underwritten at this point, we've already had, you know, kind of that Zoom screen share. We've gone in depth over their mortgage options. Once someone's okay. underwritten, then we'll go ahead and obviously follow up with them via phone call and email to let them know the good news. Hey, your file's been fully underwritten. You guys are now clear to make an offer, you know, with a shortened escrow time frame and potentially no loan contingency. Okay. Uh, so we definitely have that conversation. Um, and then we do typically follow up with those clients once per week to kind of see how the home search is going. Um, I okay. Think you know, we, we follow people kind of on, on the timeline that makes sense for them. You know, right now, there is just such limited inventory that sometimes it can be more of an annoyance to get to get a call from your lender once a week just because, yeah. hey, look, no new properties have come up, you know. So um, we follow with people when it makes sense for sure. And timeline, so someone who's pre-approved um, versus someone who's fully underwritten. I know you mentioned loan contingency, possibly not having it or having it. If I'm just pre-approved, if I'm a buyer, what does the timelines typically look on that on average if I'm just pre-approved? You know, I mean, if you're if you're working with my team um, and you're pre-approved, it's going to I'm going to 
judge that on a case-by-case -case basis, right? So if you're a yeah. client who is only pre-approved for whatever reason, and we haven't done the underwriting yet, but you have, you know, you're a W-2 employee, um, you know, you have just normal pay stubs, you have, you know, $100,000 in the bank or, or whatever the case is, and it's been there for a long time. It's, you know, that's, mm -hmm. I can already know that that's going to be a, uh, a file that will be easy to get through underwriting in most cases. Then I will say, hey, look, let's let's take the, the loan contingency, which is typically 17 days as of 2022, Mm -hmm. And let's reduce that to 10 days or even or even shorter, because I know we're going to get through underwriting within that time frame. Um, now, if you're somebody who's not underwritten, but you have, you know, five sources of income because you have a K-1 distribution from four different companies and you also have a part time job and, you mm -hmm. know, you manage a trust and you're getting income from there, too. Like, you know, that's going to be that's going <laughs> to take a long time. So I'd say for that person, you know, we have to judge that accordingly and maybe extend that that loan contingency to you know, 12, 15 days or something like that. Got it. And so if I'm a buyer and I am a W-2 employee and um, I'm fully underwritten, so let's just say if that's 12 to 15 days, how much time does that save me to go through that process with your team? Uh, well, it saves you quite a bit of time. I mean, if you're fully underwritten, then we don't have to go, you know, the point of underwriting is that that's when all the skeletons come out of the closet, right? Because the underwriter is going to take a, a more uh, nuanced look at your tax returns and your profit and loss statements and you know they're way smarter than i am when it comes to that stuff so mm -hmm. you know if they spot problems that's that time where we're going to be able to, to figure to iron all those details out um so uh, it's hard to instead say instead of being a, instead of being an escrow and finding all those things yes. you can do that up front without the pressure of hey i need to perform on a home Right, of course. Yeah, because I mean, if you're an escrow, and then suddenly, you know, they're sending you a notice to perform, you know, which is a form that that basically forces you to remove your contingency within a couple of days, that can put mm -hmm. you in a bad spot. If we're still going back and forth through underwriting, it might even cause you to say, you know what, I'm gonna cancel for now because until I get this situated, which will lead me back to why didn't we do the underwriting up front? Like, that's, that's an obvious, you know, look, I mean, it's, you know, it's something where you know, for me and my team, we're investing in our client in doing that, right? There's a reason why most lenders don't do the underwriting as a part of the pre-approval process, because that's the expensive part, right? Your processor is mm -hmm. getting involved, your underwriter is getting involved, so that costs money. Um, mm -hmm. But it is such a huge advantage to have the underwriting done up front that we invest that money in our clients um, because we just know that, you know, look, it's self-serving too, right? Because we want to help clients get offers accepted and, and do the work. Um, yes. And an underwriter is definitely going to make that happen more often. Got it. And so the it's your team, it's the underwriter, it's the processor, it's your time, it's everyone pushing this file through without them even having a home, right? Yeah. And so because you're the way that your team is set up, you guys are able to do that. And most lenders and brokers aren't able to do that because of the team structure is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at, I mean, today's market, you know, a listing agent can get an offer from somebody and say, okay, well, look, you need to have your buyer cross qualify with my preferred lender. Right. And so if your buyer has, is that person who has the multiple sources of income and, you know, multiple rental properties and all that kind of stuff, they haven't gone through the underwriting process, that other lender is going to be like, yeah, look, they might be qualified, but there's just a lot of stuff to go through here. So this could be a slog, right? Got Where it. if I say, yes, they are self-employed and they have multiple sources of income, but guess what? We've already ironed out all the kinks because we've already gone through underwriting. Then it's, it's not a problem. Like those, those uh, added complexities to that buyer's financial profile that do not matter at that point. And that's true for Got anybody, it. and that's true for people who have low credit, right? Because the pre-approval letters mm -hmm. include a credit score. So, you know, when a listing agent sees a, a low credit score, they're automatically for them it's a red flag. But if I say, look, mm -hmm. yes, the credit score is you know 680, but we've already gone through underwriting. This has already been approved. It's not an issue. Then that takes away yeah. that worry, that concern. Yeah.
Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I know we're going to be, like I tell everyone that's listening here, uh, stay tuned for part three. Um, and we'll dig into this from an agent perspective a little bit more, but I want to hear what Byron does. So when someone submits an offer, um, reverse it, let's just say it's your client, and you're not doing it for the listing agent. Do you reach out to the uh, agent? Let's just say my you know, credit score is not where I want it to be. Like, how do you overcome that with that conversation with the listing agent when it's just so competitive? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the conversation always has to happen with the listing agent. So, you know, I know when I'm working with uh, with buying, you know, uh, buyer realtors, I'm telling them, hey, every time you make an offer, definitely introduce me to that listing agent on that offer email. Um, okay. Because I want to have a conversation with that listing agent to explain how we were able to make an offer with those shortened contingencies or, or, or having them removed. One thing mm -hmm. I've noticed in this crazy market is that, um, some realtors out there, some buyer realtors are like having their clients remove their appraisal and the loan contingency without fully explaining to the client what that actually means and mm -hmm. just relying on that inspection contingency to get them out of any jam, right? And so when I talk to listing agents, a lot of times they're already like, oh, I know what you're doing. You're just relying on the listing, you're the, uh, the inspection contingency to get out of any problem. Like, no, that's not the yeah. case, right? And I, and I break down for that listing agent, look, we've removed the loan contingency because we've already gone through underwriting, right? And we're ready to close this. You know, that's the only way we're able to close it within 15 days is because we've done the underwriting up front, right? That would make sense. Um, and as far yeah. as the appraisal contingency is concerned, you know, this client's putting down 15%. So they can work with an appraisal that comes in 15% lower than the purchase price because we can adjust their loan to value ratio. Um, I'll take them through mm -hmm. a specific math and then um, give them, in many cases, I can give them a solid number. Look, you know, they can work with an appraisal as low as X. And as long as it doesn't come in lower than that, they don't have to increase their down payment. And, you know, oftentimes I'll have a conversation with the buyer's agent on what comparable sales data is telling us the appraisal might come in at so that the listing agent knows that we're on top of this. Like we already have done the research and, you know, there's, there's no reason why we wouldn't be able to perform. No, that's really, really awesome, especially with, um, you know, homes not appraising, right? So you're telling me that you guys do that up front. So you're planning for the worst case scenario going into it. So it's not a surprise if something does happen or if the property is not appraised. And are you having that conversation with the buyer um, during that pre-approval process or if they're getting ready to make an offer on a home? Yeah, I mean, there's two pieces there, right? So whenever we do the consultation with that client, that Zoom meeting I was talking about, yeah. I'm going to review the contingencies and how they work. And when it comes to the appraisal contingency, I mean, right now more than ever, that's the most important contingency. Appraisals are coming in low, I'd say, what, 20, 30% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to explain, number one, why that's happening to give that buyer that confidence that, um, you know, it's not necessarily a problem to buy a home when the appraisal comes in low. Um, but yep. what can be done about it, right? So if an appraisal comes mm -hmm. in low, I think the standard thinking from buyers and even some agents is that you have to make up the difference. That's not always mm -hmm. the case, right? If you have more than the minimum down payment, then we can just adjust your loan to value ratio, um, meaning you don't necessarily need to bring in more money. You just might take on more PMI or something like that. But in many cases, we're mm -hmm. talking about a, a payment adjustment of less than $50 per month, right? Got um, it. So yes, we have that conversation, but also, you know, we always underwrite the, our client's file to worst case scenario. So we try to, you know, we try to underwrite for the highest purchase price and with the lowest appraised value. Um, and that's important because then when I have that conversation with that listing agent, I can say, look, you know, we've already done the underwriting. That's why we're removing the, the loan contingency, but also we've underwritten this as if the appraisal were to come in low. Right. And I've already had mm -hmm. that, that screen share meeting with the client to show them what happens if the appraisal comes in low. Um, when mm -hmm. our client's thinking of making an offer, 
typically I'll ask the buyer agent to send me the, the you know, the different prices they're considering. And also what is the potential appraised mm -hmm. value? And then I can send mm -hmm. my client an analysis, a mortgage analysis um, that shows them, you know, here's the purchase price, here's th three different prices, and here's how your loan might adjust if the appraisal were to come in low. So they're well aware of what their options look like before, you know, an offer is even accepted. Nice to give them the confidence to go into that that fight per se um, when there's five or 10 or 15 offers on the table and they're competing with different variations of buyers, some cash, some non-cash and some that are first time home buyers just getting over the getting over the hump there. Um, when you remove a loan contingency is the purchase is the, the reason just to is to be like a cash buyer like or uh, to remove the loan contingency to go through that underwriting process is, is it just time frames or is it to remove certain contingencies to make them more desirable? Or is it it's both? All, it's all of the above, right? It's, you know, it's it's shortening the time frame so that we can be more flexible for sellers who value that sort of thing, right? Okay. Uh, and even for sellers who don't value that sort of thing, you know, maybe we can make an offer now with a 15-day close of escrow, but a rent back or even a free rent back. That's yeah. super attractive to, to most sellers. Um, and on top of that, really what it is is, you know, you're, we're trying to help our clients compete against many different other types of buyers. And, and some of them are going to be cash buyers. And so, you know, the benefit of the reason why client or listing agents want to take cash buyers is because they don't have that appraisal contingency. They don't have that loan contingency. So if we can remove both contingencies on our end. The risk tolerance to the seller in many cases is the same, um, or the risk to the seller is the same as it would be if they took our offer. In some cases, it's even better because, you know, when they're getting cash offers, many times it's from investors who may not even seen the property and they could just potentially, you know, cancel that escrow if they see another opportunity pop up around the corner, right? Where our clients yeah. don't have an emotional attachment to that property. So we're going to make that clear. Awesome. Sweet. Well, no, I appreciate you um, taking the time out of your busy day to come and, and have a conversation with us about this process, because this is something that, you know, people don't usually know. Um, and if you're not in the industry, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. It's more of just, hey, here's my credit, here's my money, give me a piece of paper to go get to buy a home. And there's a lot more um, detail and substance to that. So I really appreciate you breaking it down for us. Yeah, I mean, there ought to be, right? Unfortunately, the industry standard isn't that yet, but we're hoping to make it that way soon. Awesome, sweet. Well, everyone stay tuned for part two now that you are fully underwritten. We'll walk you through the next steps um, on our next episode. So I appreciate you. And again, thanks so much, Byron. Of course. Thanks, guys. Take care. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Real Estate Roundtable. If you'd like to connect with any of the sales partners here on the REIT team, our information is below and we'd love to chat with you.